Podcast. We have a special interview today. I had in the clouds segment with Sagira Ahmed Norris, who is an adaptive MS athlete. Sagira, we got in touch. Actually, you met V at one of the events uh, we did through Lasso a few months back, and it was upon hearing your story that not just you know V or myself, but the whole team was just so tremendously inspired by who you are, what you do, and just kind of the energy you live life with and. You know, we just wanted to take some time here to to get to know you and share who you are with our audience. Oh, well, I so appreciate it, and thank you so much for having me. Definitely, uh, it's you have a unbelievable story, and I think uh, you tell it very well. I think we should start kind of with your background as an athlete, kind of leading up to your kind of surprise MS diagnosis. Um, kind of the energy and momentum you were already kind of running marathons and an athlete beforehand so if you can just kind of tell us kind of what led into it um and then how you found out and what your initial reaction was um to finding out okay so um i was definitely never like a active child but later on i um picked up running as a sport i would do it 5k's 10k's and was working towards half marathons and things like that my father ended up passing away uh from a smoking related death and i thought to myself what better way uh to honor his memory than to do something that he couldn't do which was to run a marathon and i chose to do it in my hometown of Chicago during the uh, Chicago Marathon. And so I trained really, really hard. And in 2017, I towed that start line with all of the hopes and dreams as I knew my family was going to be there and just really set to have a great time, something I had worked really, really hard for. And surely around, I guess, about mile 13, 14, I started um, having some sharp pains and uh, also what I now know as foot drop, which is the inability to pick up the front of your foot um, was starting to set in. So I took time. I went to a medical tent to get checked out. I was told that I really shouldn't continue the race, but that I wasn't going to get a medal either (laughs) if I quit. And I figured I had already come that far. I might as well just keep going. And I could still get a medal, get a finish, um, and be really proud of myself. And I'd get everything else figured out later. And so that kind of started what ended up being just a snowball of kind of my life falling into disarray. Um, was um yeah I mean, was it like 
you know, when you were in the middle of the race, was that the first time you had a moment in your life where you're like, I, I don't really have control over what's going on here. And, you know, how, like, was it scary in the moment or were you just so focused on the goal that you had in mind that you were just like, I'll deal with this later. And like, it, yeah, how did you, how did you come to grips with everything that you were going through? I was um, majorly upset, actually, at the time. I remember just thinking, like, I've come so far and I've done all this work. And this is the first time I had ever done a training plan throughout. And I was exactly where I wanted to be, but not in the ability that I wanted to be at. And I felt a little betrayed by my body. I feel a little better now uh, that I know it wasn't necessarily... Um, a fault of my own. Uh, I went to sports doctors after I had failed the Chicago Marathon. Even though I finished, I was like, oh my God, I failed. It was terrible. And I would tell people like, and they're like, you got the medal. You did everything you said you wanted to do. And I'm like, yeah, but it wasn't as good as I thought. It wasn't as fast as I thought. I was... um, very in my own mindset of how I had envisioned everything going. And because it didn't go that way, I felt like that was almost the most devastating part mm-hmm. at the time. But now I think I've come to grips with uh, that was one of the best marathons ever, because in fact, it um, brought me to a diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. And I have had a chance to really just refocus my life, my energy, my time into making myself my best version. Um, And so that's, you know, the silver lining of what I thought was the worst marathon of my life. (laughs) Yeah. And so when you heard, um, when you actually heard the diagnosis and realized, obviously hearing a diagnosis like that from a personal standpoint, has to be very challenging, but then also in kind of from getting to know you, you're you're definitely a very strong competitor as well. With the reality of like, okay, this wasn't something that was necessarily my fault. This is an illness that I now have and that I have to deal with. Did it help you kind of give you <laughs> give you a little closure with like not finishing the race and and then understanding, hey, this is something that I have to deal with. It's, it's something now that I have to kind of take on as like the competitive spirit of beating this battle versus just winning a race. Absolutely. It's, it's such a different mindset. You go from trying to win something that you thought was just like so strategically important to your life, like a marathon, like trying to just beat yourself and, you know, then it turns into you actually fighting for your own life and Mm. how that life is going to progress on uh, despite a diagnosis. So when I was first diagnosed, one of the first things that was told to me by the doctor was that it was primary progressive MS, which would require me to be in a wheelchair in five years. It blew my mind so quickly that I actually had just gone ahead and written off immediately that the doctor was um, full of it. I'm like, that's impossible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
I'm like, I was just training for a marathon. And now you're telling me I'm going to be in a wheelchair in five years. That doesn't pan out. And that's not going to work for me at all. Yeah. And um, with with a situation like that, like how what what was I, I always feel like when something is happening in your life, it's always the people around you that tend to panic a lot more than, you know, you might be or maybe you're you have the panic deep down, but you're trying to keep a cool front and then everyone else kind of freaks you out. Uh, what was that reaction like with your family and friends as well? And, and you know, kind of how did you build a mindset? Um, and, and maybe it was just, you know, starting in a place of denial, which is a great way to get going. But like, how do you how did you, um, you know, build your mentality from there into into who you are today? So we didn't know a lot about multiple sclerosis. Like mm-hmm. we, it was pretty much uh, handed a pamphlet. They said, contact the National MS Society, they'll tell you more. And you go home and you go on the internet. And the first resource, especially when you've just been diagnosed, being the internet is awful. It it really is just a spiral of wormhole of she can't eat by herself. She can't walk on her own. She needs a wheelchair. She has to go to hospice. And I was, I thought that it was just, first of all, pretty sure that the doctor was wrong. Again, I had just chopped it up to him, maybe not being quite right. I'm like, diagnosis is wrong. (laughs) And um, my husband's super sweet. Joe is um, literally my rock in the sense that he's like, well, we're going to figure out this whole thing. And you know what, if you need a wheelchair, it's going to be the nicest blue wheelchair we can find (laughs) you. And all of these, all of these things just went ahead. And even though I felt portions of my life slipping away, I also was somewhat ready to understand how I would progress forward if it was required. I never saw what was going to come next, uh, even as a possibility. And so now, you know, we are, I think maybe three months after my diagnosis, I required a cane and I was actually progressing much further and faster than they ever thought uh, I would. And by the end of that year, I was cane and e-brace dependent and an e-brace if not familiar basically uses electrical stimulation to make you walk forward. Wow. <laughs> wow. Not great. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, and it's interesting that you, you said that, right? Like I think in the collective conscious of society, people know the two letters MS, but I don't think there's a general understanding of the illness. Like people understand other illnesses um, that afflict people. Um, so I guess that would be a question for me is you, you explained how difficult it was, um, to, to find out the information, how negative some of the information was. If you can just kind of give, give people an understanding of what MS actually is. Okay. So MS is multiple sclerosis. It is an immune disorder where the portions of your body that are set to protect it have decided that um, your body is the enemy. It can eat away at your brain, 
your myelin sleep. And if you have a PPMS like I do, it can do both. So mm-hmm. I have um, between 50 and 60 uh, lesions in my brain at this time. Uh, they are just small little holes. They don't look like much. And, you know, I, I actually don't know how to read an uh, MRI very well. So when I'm looking at them, I'm like, it looks fine to me. <laughs> and um, then the spine has a protective sleep. This makes sure that, you know, anybody can have a nerve um, reaction the proper way. You need that sleep because if the um, immune system starts to attack those nerves, you lose uh, the function that those nerves provide. So for me, it comes in the form of tremors, also um, neuropathy, which is the lack of sensation on the right side of my body, and uh, sometimes sharp shooting pains. There are people who, so each version of MS is different, which is what makes it so hard to diagnose uh, even now. You will have people who will go blind. You will have people who wake up and can no longer walk or function. You have people who, you know, will go into cardiac arrest because their heart no longer has the muscular nerve endings to pump. And so while it affects everybody differently, they've gathered it all into a multiple sclerosis diagnosis. And from there, you have a few offshoots. There's uh, remitting MS, which is kind of like an up-down cycle. You can go long periods of time without any new symptoms, and then maybe a large shock of new symptoms and waves will come, and then they'll uh, go into a remission. Uh, primary progressive MS, like I have, is kind of straight to the top of just bad. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know how else to say that. Yeah. Um, there's secondary MS where it was um, a remitting form and then it has progressed into a much uh, more dangerous and fast occurring disability. So while all of them are terrible, there are a few treatments for uh, the more common uh, remitting MS, and you'll you'll see them. They are coming out of the woodwork left and right. Um, sadly, for people who have primary progressive MS um, or secondary progressive MS, there are a lot less options. I, I mean, like there's one, but not a lot less. There is one option that is FDA approved. And, um, I went on that. Oh yeah. So for you, as you've, as you've gone through this, has it been lifestyle changes, medication, and, you know, kind of as you've, as you've gone through your journey, has it fluctuated? Um, has it been, you know, kind of steady progress? Like what's been your experience, uh, since you got the diagnosis going through the treatment and obviously, you know, you're, you're running marathons. Um, now, so you know you've made huge, huge strides, and um, do you have fear that you know symptoms will return? Like, how does that work for you? So, one thing that's important to understand is, even though I took the only FDA-approved uh, treatment for PPMS, which is Acrovis, 
And that's an injection that's given like twice a year. I was still progressing underneath the surface. Acrobis mm. kind of um, covered over some of the symptoms. I would feel amazing. I would feel terrible at the end when I would need a new uh, injection. But for the you know five months, four months that I had just gotten injected, it felt great. It was like getting a bout of steroids and it allowed me to do a lot of the things that I had planned to do. One of the things when I was diagnosed that I was told was you should go ahead and if you have any plans to travel with your husband and your daughter, you should do those things now because that may not be an available opportunity to you later um, without having to rely on a wheelchair. Mm. So we're on one of these bucket list trips. I love the Titanic and I love Game of Thrones. And I thought, how could I, you know, better enjoy myself than going to Belfast, Ireland? It's actually in Ireland where I ended up finding out about a treatment called HSCT. Uh-huh. And HSCT stands for a really long word that's like hemiopathic uh, stem cell transplant. But it is basically a chemotherapy-based stem cell transplant that, um, for the UK, is pretty common. They do it over and over again. It is one of their most effective ways to halt the progression of MS. Mm-hmm. And so as I was reading it, I thought it was an incredible opportunity if it would actually work for me. Going in, I looked at, did it just work for RMS like everything else, or was it viable for PPMS? Through some further research, I decided that it was a good option for myself, but it's not available in the United States. Um, And so the only two options that are available is to go to Mexico, go to Russia, or um, go into a transplant trial. And for me, the trial was not an option just because I wasn't meeting the criteria. I hadn't Mm. had MS long enough. I had the wrong type of MS. And so um, I decided to go to Mexico uh, to Clinica Ruiz and kind of just take my own chance it was out of pocket, $55,000 Sheesh. and yeah. not covered by insurance and a big gamble, but it kind of worked out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so from the time I went to Clinica Ruiz, it was a 30-day process. They've been doing this treatment for 25 years. They have their own method and it is seamless. The facilities were better than anything I think I've ever had here in the U.S., which was kind of confusing to me because I'm like, I thought we had the best healthcare in the world. I've been lied to. Yeah. And so we get there, everything goes flawlessly. I did not realize, even during the treatment while it was happening, that inflammation and things had gone down so much. I had stopped using my cane. I hadn't charged or used my e-brace anymore. And I was actually given a second chance. 
Wow. I had the, you know, misfortune of thinking that I was losing everything. My friends who I run with, my community that was so important to me. And within those 30 days, it all started feeling like it was coming back. Wow. Wow. That's really, that's really amazing. And, you know, one thing I want to touch on with your, your story, and we talk about this uh, a lot, I think all of us kind of through life and through life experiences, uh, it takes moments and challenges for us to stop living life through the position of fear, right? And what I kind of seen since, you know, we became acquainted and I, I see you on Facebook now is someone who really relishes every single day that they have. Um, and it's going to make the most of it. You know, you're constantly active. Take us into that, like how you transition, because you can really, really see a change. And I'm sure this treatment had a lot to do with it from kind of saying, damn, I'm going to be in a wheelchair. The doctor's telling, everybody's telling you, you're going to be a wheelchair. You're not going to be able to walk. To take that away and say, you know what? One is I'm going to live every day that I have like this to the fullest. And then the second part of it is I'm going to take every chance that I can, including going and, you know, taking this treatment that was, you know, extremely cost prohibitive, probably has had a lot of risk, but really just saying, you know what, I'm going to take every shot as well. Yeah. So one of the big things as I was going through the treatment and I kept thinking to myself is how hard it had been for me to get information on even having it done. And that if I could just make one other person, you know, get that ability to find this treatment and if it would help them in any way and I could help facilitate that, that was my goal. And when you're making it about somebody else and making it about like what you can give and how you can serve, it changes your mindset. And so I've, you know, I've now been post HSCT for three years. In those three years, I haven't helped one person. I've helped dozens. And that's what makes it all worth it. The days that I don't want to get up or the days that I'm not sure if I'm doing everything I should be doing right, I know that there is a person who just needs to see that they have the option to keep moving forward. And not everyone's going to run a marathon. I understand that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just want people to be able to thrive and thrive on their own. And I needed a reminder of that. I don't think that I was doing myself that service. I think it's easy to get caught up in everyday hustle and bustle where you're going through the motions and you think something like running the Chicago Marathon is going to just fix your entire life. When in fact, like, it's not about the marathon. It's not about any of it. It's about the challenge and what you learn from it. I wasn't learning my lessons properly. I was just rolling through them, not taking the time to, you know, be grateful for the small things that I had going right for myself. And so now I definitely, and I'm still constantly, constantly working on it. Um, But 
I am a masterpiece and I am a work in progress. I don't know if I'll ever be finished. I hope not because the ability to grow um, is giving me so much, I don't know, so much thankfulness, I guess is the word. I'm thankful for every opportunity I've been given, every you know person who's helped me get here. Um, I don't even know where I would be had I not taken that higher guidance um, just put myself in a position to allow myself to be guided. And I definitely think that's what's happened because from the time I left Mexico to now, it has been a build and it is building into my better self, learning to walk again properly, learning to run, being blessed to find the people who are now on my healthcare journey and my team just so that I can do these things that I want to do. You know, I started the Chicago Marathon because I wanted to honor my dad. Now I am working towards the larger goal of being the first person with multiple sclerosis and PPMS to complete the Abbott World Majors. It's you know, one of these things that while all of that is for me, because it will make me, you know, a little happier and I like the goal and I like the challenge, it offers to serve for others. And that's kind of just where I want to be in my life is in a service. It's interesting that you, you speak so strongly about a service mentality, because I'm also very much a believer in that the amount of strength you can draw when it's for somebody else is it's far greater than what you can draw for yourself. Um, I'm interested in the timeline, like roughly what, when did you go to Mexico? Was this like peak COVID kind of craziness to right in the middle of all this? Or was this uh, earlier so than that? Kind of, yes and no. So I went to Mexico in January of 2020. So that's less than two years after I got diagnosed. One of the things that um, I'm a firm believer in is that um, for HSCT, uh, the quicker you go to stop your progression, the easier it is to continue on. From January 2020, they kind of give you this, you have a baby uh, immune system, you can't be going out, you can't really have interaction. I was about to step out my door March 2020 and God was like, no, <laughs> no one's going out. You're not going out. They're not going out. Nobody's going out. So I really had a time um, where there was really nothing else to do other than to be at home and start to do uh, online MS workouts with my physical therapist. And it gave me probably all of the time and effort that I needed uh, to just start being in a better mindset. And then we were offered the chance uh, for my soul sister and I to qualify for the Boston Marathon in their adaptive division in uh, September of that year. Wow. They they had made a suggestion. They were like, we have our adaptive athletes. We're sure this whole COVID thing's going to blow over. And once that's done, we want to be ready to run the Boston Marathon. Would you be interested? And 
I jumped at the opportunity. Um, we trained really hard. And so nine months after I got my stem cell transplant, I ran the Boston qualifier uh, with Kelly. Wow. And we were one of, I want to say it was 15 adaptive athletes who were invited to the Boston Marathon. And it is the first time that the Boston Marathon had ever taken place um, in the fall. So no one mm. knew how that was going to go. But it it was phenomenal. It was the largest showcase for our sport. It is, you know, the pinnacle. People worked years and years and years to get these times and fast. And here we are offered this opportunity just so that I could, you know, put HSCT false MS on my back in giant letters. That's and awesome. So it was, it was such an incredible experience. And immediately after I finished, I thought to myself, well, I've run Chicago and I've run Boston, which is the hardest one to get into. I should probably run the other four. Like, <laughs> just seems like that's a smart thing to do after and so now we've been on this crazy journey, I, you know, and I've been so blessed to have like such great support from my friends and my family. And so as we're literally moving forward and I, I don't know, I've found some of the greatest sponsors ever <laughs> to help me on my journey. And now we're only two races away. <laughs> That's so awesome. It feels like it's so close. That's so awesome. And how how in this journey did you find out about us? Physical therapy. Really? One of okay. So one of my major issues that I I still suffer from today is uh, bout of foot drop as well as neuropathy. Mm -hmm. So not only is my foot dragging, but I don't have the ability to actually feel that it's dragging. And a lot of that comes from um, ankle weakness. Uh, by using a uh, functional e electronic brace for as long as I did, I've kind of shot the nerves on my uh, side. Mm. So not only can I not feel almost anything, which is great if you're getting a tattoo, by the way, but it's <laughs> terrible if you're trying to run a marathon. <laughs> I needed something to stabilize my ankle at first they have what's called like a runner's loop it is ridiculously cumbersome it it didn't work with my gait and we tried changing my gait and that resulted in almost a broken shin it, it just wasn't going to work for me we looked at prosthetic uh braces for my ankle but we needed something that was soft, but still something that had that compression and the ability to keep the blood flow going. Because it's the moment that the flow stops and the muscles start to, you know, decide that they can do whatever they feel like, which is not work. Hmm. Um, and so we looked at a lot of different compression socks and we went through a lot of different iterations. And I want to say we, for a while, we ended up with like a plantar fasciitis box because it was very, very tight. Mm -hmm. And um, 
as we realized, a lot of them were shorter socks or really, really long. Mm. And so we wanted something in between. And she found it one day and she was like, have you ever heard of lasso? And I'm like, no, I don't think I have. And she's like, okay, well, let's buy a few pairs. Let's test these out. And I literally never looked back. I got on the Facebook. I got on the Instagram. I'm like stalking everybody and everything. And it was the sock that I ended up using for the Boston Marathon. And now I've run every marathon I've ever done in my lasso socks. So they've been to Boston, New York, London, like they're going to Berlin and they're going to go to Tokyo. They're ready. But, um, I love them. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, it's so, it's like, it's amazing to to just meet you and talk to you about this because it's, you know, when we, when we made the product, there was, we didn't know about drop foot. We didn't know about, you know, these things, you know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was a technology that came, came into the world and, you know, we, we kind of have the, uh, the ability to get it out there. And so to, to find people like you and, and come across people like you who have not only like significant need for it, but, you know, based on the principles of its engineering, it's designed to help your body act more like it should. And to see that effect is just, it's so moving for me your whole story and and the fact that you found us and and you use the product. No. And I, I've said it a lot, but I actually don't know that I would have gotten um, the ability to keep doing these marathons without it. I've, um, I've haven't had to change my gait. My physical therapist is, probably the most excited because she doesn't have to poke and prod at me (laughs) as I'm running. And I mean, it's changed my life because this is the new way I had to run and it adapted to help me be the best adaptive athlete I can be. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, kind of to echo that sentiment, like, you know, some days are fun building, just like just like running a marathon. Some days are good, some days are rough. But I think um, going back to what you said earlier about having the the opportunity to serve, I think kind of these stories um, about a, having a product—it's just a sock, right? Like when you're thinking about it, um, having a story in which you realize that it's having an impact. It's actually helping and changing people's lives and giving them the ability to do things that they may or may not have been able to do. That's what kind of keeps us going as well, keeps us motivated into building building this business, building it into a viable product and keeping it going um, and growing so that it's sustainable so more people can find it. That's much more rewarding than just looking at the bottom line when we look at our profit and loss statements and saying, hey, did we make money this month or did we lose money this month? Um, that definitely is it has so much more value to us uh, as a company and also keeps us motivated kind of through these economic challenges and things that are going in the external environments like if you don't have that and you're just selling another product it it's it's a it's a lot less motivating if that makes sense <laughs> Absolutely. And, so uh, you know I've had um a few sponsors and everything. And I remember telling somebody at the time, I was like, I've got to get lasso. I, everyone with MS 
could really benefit from their stock. And I want to be able to like offer that option for everyone. And they were like, okay, and who is Lasso again? <laughs> and I would go in and they'd buy like three pairs and they'd be like, oh yeah, I charge your stock. It's great. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> selling you. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, and and we love the fact that you love the product. You're a great spokesperson for the for for the business, and definitely a great inspiration as well. Anything that we can continue to do to support your efforts, support your cause, we definitely will continue uh, to do on our side. And you know, just keep us updated. It's great to see. Um, it seems 2017. It is 2023. I think you need to give that doctor a call and and, and show you show me running a marathon and not in a not in oh, a wheelchair. I, I've still kept the same doctor. I I do yeah. it on purpose at this point. I always show up to my doctor's visits in my Boston Marathon jacket, and I'll be like, "Oh, by the way, could you sign these medical waivers? I'm thinking about going to the Paris Marathon," and he's like. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing and then um for anyone listening where would they be able to follow your journey you know stay on track with you so well thanks to lasso i did get on instagram finally <laughs> so it's at ms Segura. so it's m-s-s-a-g-i-r-a-h and then um my journey was actually initially reported on the facebook platform uh, with the same MS Segura. And so if you hashtag look for MS Segura, uh, it will cover my journey from the time I found out I was going to go to Mexico and have treatment to me winning the Houston half marathon last weekend with my friends. <laughs> That's so awesome. You got to get In my lasso socks. You got to get V out there to one of these. <laughs> see if he, see if he can finish. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> I, I, I've got to work on the car, the, the the cardio a little bit more. <laughs> Hit that treadmill a few more times a week before I take that challenge yeah. on. Well, once, well, once. I'll get you to the West End Run Club. You can come play around. Okay, <laughs> that's amazing. Segura, so thanks for your light. Thanks for being who you are, and you know we're we're so grateful to have you on here, be able to share your story, and you know we definitely look forward to checking in again. Uh, in the future to share some updates um, as you continue to do more amazing things with our audience. And just thank you for being who you are. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for the inspiration to keep moving forward and for your product and all of the efforts that I know it takes to do what you guys do. And so I appreciate you and I appreciate the universe bringing me to you guys. Awesome. Likewise. Likewise. All right. On that note, we'll let you get back to your triathlon event and let I'm you share. The triathlon expert. Right <laughs> <laughs> it's it's crazy because you got the badge on too. Where the boys at? Nice. Always remember to stay moving. Rally boys, we get on up.